G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, how often have you taken time to reflect on some of the traditional and historic significance of the Ten Commandments? Well, some deeper insights today, especially around the historic meaning of the Fifth Commandment. It's the one that says, Honour your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That uh, rendition from Exodus chapter 20. What might be a surprise is that the intent of the commandment may have an added dimension that's not immediately obvious. Well, I guess joining us, Dr. Simon Kennedy, lecturer in intellectual history at the Millis Institute at the Christian Heritage College in Brisbane. He's going to be speaking to a free seminar tonight in Brisbane, digging into deep issues uh, in political theology. And Simon is joining us. Simon, a special welcome along. Well, good morning, Neil, and thanks for having me. Simon, we'll talk about the seminar that's on tonight in just a few moments and uh, give a, a an address where people can register to be part of that free seminar. I think there'll be people wanting to come out and see you when they hear of the things that you'll be talking about. The Fifth Commandment. Uh, today, we would normally think of that as being all around the idea of father and mother and, you know, that's a parent thing, that's a family thing. You've been looking at this a little more deeply. Give us some insights. Well, well this I'm, I'm a historian, and uh, I look at ideas in history. I'm a lecturer in intellectual history, as you said. And uh, as, I, as I read the uh, sources of the early modern period, I'm looking particularly at Protestant sources in the 16th century. Uh, I, I see an interesting uh, thing uh, where, as you said, we, we tend to focus on the Fifth Commandment as, as a very narrow thing, uh, purely to do with parental authority in the home. Uh, however, uh, thinkers like uh, very famous thinkers like Martin Luther, uh, William Tyndale, and John Calvin, uh, along with dozens of others, all uh, believed that this commandment actually had much wider implications for authority in general. So, uh, for example, the typical way of dividing this up was to suggest that it had implications for parental authority, but also it had implications for spiritual authority in the church, it had implications for vocational authority, so in the workplace. And then uh, the one I'm most interested in is political authority. Well, sometimes because we take a simplistic view of the commandments, we want to sort of brush those aside and say, well, that's just something from, you know, thousands of years gone by, the Old Testament. Uh, The relevance is not so strong for us today. But when we start to look at history and the way there's been a developing thought through history, that becomes very important as to what our father and mother might stand for. That's right. So uh, uh, even going back to the medieval period, Neil, um, someone like Thomas Aquinas, who's a very famous medieval theologian and philosopher, uh, looked at this commandment and said, okay, what does it mean? What does the word father mean? Well, it means spiritual father. It means political father. The king is our father or the prince is our father as well as our, our biological father and mother. 
Interestingly, when we have a local government, uh, you might think of councillors and the mayor. Sometimes they're called the fathers of the city. And I know in conversations gone by, I've had this idea that says, uh, you know, that church leaders in a city need to be acknowledged as fathers of the city as well. And that takes that beyond the idea of just father and mother within the family unit. Mm. There is something that is actually quite historic and traditional and even authoritative about having that idea. I, th- I think so, uh, and, I, and I think that this cha- the change in, I guess, in, in our thinking about this uh, idea in the West seems to have occurred at around the the turn of the uh, the seventeenth and eighteenth century. Uh, there's a very famous debate between John Locke and Robert Filmer, although Robert Filmer was uh, deceased when Locke was writing against him. But uh, Locke actually dismissed the ramifications of the fifth commandment as being any wider than the, in the home. He, he, he said that this has nothing to do with politics and has nothing to do with anything except for the home. Um, and so naturally, we've, we, we've kind of quite naturally fallen into that pattern. And as 21st century people, we don't see it as, uh, as, as applying to anything else. But, but it's interesting to, think, to consider uh, carefully, does this have any implication for how we uh, address questions of political authority and our own duty as Christians to submit to political authority and to honour those in authority over us. Well, that brings us into a whole new dimension, doesn't it? Because if we take that fifth commandment and just apply it to the family and just honouring our parents, which is obviously a part of what that uh, that commandment is about, but if we extend that and say obedience to the political authorities, uh, well, that depends on whether we want to agree with what the political authorities are saying. So how does that all fit in when you're a Christian and you have these biblical foundation to your values and sometimes they rub up the wrong way when it comes to what political authorities are trying to do? Yes, and and this is a live question today for us, right? Um, We're in a culture which is growing, uh, and this is perhaps debatable, but I think it's generally understood that our culture and society is growing more and more hostile to Christian ideas, to the Christian way of doing things and thinking. Uh, And so this is actually becoming more and more challenging. What is the Christian duty toward those in authority over us, particularly if it seems that they are rubbing up against how we feel we should live and what we should believe? Uh, Of course, Romans chapter 13, a famous passage there where the Apostle Paul says that, uh, you know, those who are uh, in authority, uh, wielding the sword, uh, you know, there's a certain sense in there that uh, there is this respect for authority. And, uh, you know, oftentimes you can refer to that as uh, talking about, you know, the responsibility that we have within a society and the paying of taxes and things like that. So there's a certain sense in which the Apostle Paul reinforces that. Absolutely. And and there's a remarkable... Uh, verse in First uh, Peter two, where Peter, who is writing to Christians who are spread out uh, throughout the uh, the Mediterranean area, all of them are really persecuted. And there's this remarkable verse where he says, "Honor the emperor." And the remarkable thing about that is the emperor is Nero, who is famously uh, anti-Christian, famously uh, responsible for the persecution of Christians. And Peter still says to these Christians, "Honor the emperor." Uh, in 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 um, Christian political theology and in considering Christian political thought, we often like to consider the question of, well, how do we think about civil resistance if the king is against us, if the rulers are against us? Um, what are the ways in which we can frame how we might resist tyranny, or resist anti-Christian rulers? Um, I think that's a very important question. There's a lot of interesting, um, a lot of interesting material to consider about that. But I also would, I'm also interested in how 
seriously uh, the Bible and Christian thinkers across history have taken the duty for Christians uh, to submit to those in authority over them in the political sphere as well. You must have a wonderful time in the classroom when you've got students and you're teaching in a liberal arts, uh, which is really a way of saying this is going to help. This is how we're going to help uh, young minds think uh, critically. I mean, you're you're wanting to actually have arguments. Uh, you're wanting to start debates. You want people to express themselves. And at the same time, I imagine uh, your job is to help to shape the way that environment happens. But uh, you must have some great conversations that, that start in the classroom around these sorts of issues. Definitely, um, Neil. At the Millis Institute, we have a really wonderful classroom environment. Um, typically, classes range from between five to 20 students, and uh, they are typically three hours long, and there is no very little or no lecturing. So even though I am called a lecturer in intellectual history, I actually spend a lot more time facilitating uh, what I find really stimulating discussions about primary texts. So we might be reading Augustine's City of God or Martin Luther's uh, The Freedom of the Christian or Dante's Inferno or uh, Friedrich Nietzsche's The Gay Science uh, and wrestling with these big ideas in history and we get to do it together. And sometimes it can get combative and, as you say, there might be arguments, but that's a healthy thing because we want people to really wrestle with the big ideas that people have wrestled with in the past and um, and I, be I believe, and I've, I've seen this happen, um, students come out better, and I come out from the classroom a different person and better for it because we've thought deeply about these things and we've considered them without having a, a heavily ideological approach to the text. We're approaching, we try to approach the text um, in a relatively neutral way. We can't, we can't be perfectly neutral. I'm not claiming that. Um, but it's certainly an invigorating and stimulating environment to study in and to teach in. A risky thing, isn't it? Because uh, the chances for things to go bad with the way people think about uh, the way they've been arguing within the classroom, mm. uh, that's got all sorts of dangerous possibilities to it. But you take that sort of risk and at the end of the course, uh, you hope that what's happened is that people are so well-rounded then in the mm. way that they can argue uh, for their point, which uh, as you've been helping to direct them will be from a Christian biblical worldview, uh, that they'll be able to stand on their own two feet, think through the issues themselves, and they'll be then making an appropriate uh, contribution to the society. That, that's right. And, and I, I, that's exactly right. We want, to, we want to form our students to be able to uh, think well, to think for themselves, and to be able to articulate what they think in a compelling way. Um, we have a, a mix of students. They're not all Christians. We have non-Christians and Christians in the classroom uh, we're a Christian institution, and so we do. Uh, we're we're very happy to be teaching in a Christian way, and it's a Christian learning environment. But it's certainly we we, we are not um, uh, propagating a Christian worldview as such. We are we are teaching people about Christian thought and Western civilization more broadly, which includes lots of different religious positions uh, in and of itself. And so we think it's a really uh, and, and it is, it is, I think it is, a, a rich um, way to learn about the past, a rich way to learn about yourself, um, and then you come out uh, ready to tackle whatever else you've got to go in your life. Let's come back to the fifth commandment, because if there's a bigger, broader dimension there, and it's not just honouring your father and mother just in the home, but there's a deeper dimension there that talks about our political authorities, let me ask you, uh, what your thoughts are around the idea that when Jesus referred to God, he said, 
my father, uh, when he said to the disciples, this is how you pray, uh, our father who art in heaven. When he was saying that, was he talking about the idea of a nice family dad or was there a deeper dimension there that we ought to be considering when we think of God the Father? Well, when when we think of God the Father, we all have uh, some predisposition toward thinking about him in a particular way. So as you said, a lot of us will think of him as a warm Santa Claus figure, perhaps, uh, a grandfatherly figure. Uh, others of us will think of him as a stern, uh, perhaps a, a stern grammar school teacher. Uh, and and then other of us, others of us will think of him as a, some, as a king and as a ruler. And and he, in, in one sense, he's all, he's in some sense, all of those things, although they're all distortions of who God is. So uh, certainly this word father encapsulates um, a, a, a wide range of, uh, thoughts that we can have about God, and and Jesus in praying that was not suggesting that he is simply a warm, cuddly father figure, but a much it, it would have had implications for him as ruler of the universe and as creator of the world as well. Okay, these are the sorts of thoughts that you might hear expressed at a free seminar tonight. In Brisbane. So, for listeners, especially in Southeast Queensland, you could go along to this free seminar. You will need to register, and I'll give you a Facebook address in just a few moments that'll have an event on there that you can register through. Simon, you're going to be speaking on the topic political authority and the Ten Commandments in the Reformation. You've got some other speakers also on the bill. Dr. Jonathan Cole from the Centre for Public and Contextual Theology at Charles Sturt University. Uh, he's speaking on Christian political theology in an age of discontent. And you've got Simone Nicholson, who is part of the Millis Institute at Christian Heritage College, talking about first law, then justice. Uh, it is a free seminar. You're doing these, I guess, with uh, occasional frequency. Um how is it best for people to actually come along and be a part of what you're doing tonight? Well, we uh, so we, we have these we pl- have these seminars every couple of months. We're planning to have six next year. Uh, tonight's seminar, as as you said, is on political thought and theology. Each one will have a different theme. People can come along. They can register uh, at, at uh, our Facebook page um, and uh, click through to the event page and then RSVP there. But the the uh, the seminar is held in the learning hub at Christian Heritage College. If you come to the campus, uh, you just drive up the hill at the top of the car park and come into the learning hub, and it'll be there. There's refreshments provided, and three re- what I think will be really excellent papers and a good opportunity to interact with the speakers as well. So it takes things a little deeper to go along to a seminar like this. But I'll encourage listeners, those who are in Brisbane, perhaps the Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast. Uh, inland to the Darling Downs, an opportunity tonight at the Millis Institute at the Christian Heritage College in Brisbane, hosting a research seminar event. It focuses on the theme of political thought and theology. It is a free seminar. Starts at 7 o'clock tonight at the Christian Heritage College at 322 Wecker Road in Carindale. You can register at Millis Institute's Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Millis Institute, and you can uh, register there at the RSVP link. Uh, there's also a website for CHC, and uh, they've got a great offering of some fabulous, uh, whether it's uh, in uh, education uh, or uh, social science, 
certainly their theology. Uh, lots of great things to look at there at the CHC website, chc.etu.au, and uh, you'll be able to find our special guest there too. And uh, keep an eye out for Simon Kennedy, Dr. Simon Kennedy. Simon, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks for having me, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.